But we've been looking at this thought over the last few weeks, and, and I think it's just so important for all of us as we grow in the knowledge of these things, as we not just hear it on a Sunday, but weekly, we go away, we either re-listen to the message again, or we take notes, or we go and research for ourselves, whatever, however that works best for you. But it's so important that we know our identity is found in him. We got to know our identity is not being found in the world around us. Our identity is not found in what our school teachers or or our family have molded us into or what we in our peer groups feel that we can be molded into. Our identity is found in him. And and we looked at the scripture that, that talked about there was the first Adam or Adam who was the first person that God created And then there was the last Adam, Jesus, and we are no longer to identify ourselves just as living beings or part of the human race or being a human being. We are to identify ourselves in Christ, in the last Adam, Jesus. And that's where our true identity is found. And and the, the difficulty is every day of our lives, we have an opportunity in our life to respond according to the first Adam as a mere human being, or we can respond in life according to who we are now in Christ. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, gentleness, meekness, temperance, against which there is no law. We can either respond out of our spirit, and if we do, we know love. Love will be the response of our heart or joy will be the response of our heart, or patience will be the response of our heart. See, they are the fruit of the Spirit, but they are in you and I the moment we give ourselves to Jesus Christ. The fruit is there. Do we allow that fruit to grow, or do we find ourselves living according to the first Adam, a fallen nature, a carnal nature, an old factory setting in our life? Because that's what the old Adam, that first Adam, that identity that we were born with, that is the factory setting. Or we live according to the new of who we are. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. But do we respond to the new or do we respond to the old? That is the question that we need to answer. If you look in Romans chapter 7... Paul is saying, the things that I want to do, I do not do. And yet the things that I want to do, I find so hard to do. What was he he saying? He was saying, look, that old nature of Adam continually is warring against the new nature of Christ that is in me. Who I lean towards the greatest will be the one who rules and reigns in my life. So as Christians, we need to make sure that we're pointing our life in the right direction. If you've got your Bible with you, if you could turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. Colossians 1, verse, 20, uh, Colossians 1, verse 27. says this, To them God will to make known what are the riches of his glory, of this mystery among the Gentiles. You know, as Gentiles, God said, 
I want them to know this. I want them to understand this mystery. I want them to grasp something that is so spiritual. The riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Have we... I'm going to ask lots of questions this morning because I believe as we ask ourselves questions, we begin to reinforce something in our life. Have we grasped or are we growing in the knowledge of Christ in you? Think about your, 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 your Asda trip this week or your, or your Morrisons or you rich ones, Waitrose. When you were driving up, or Marks and Spencers, as you were driving up and someone took the last car parking space or someone cut you up at the lights or whatever it was, did you respond to Christ in you or according to the old man? When something went wrong, or your, maybe your husband or your wife annoyed you, frustrated you, did you allow patience to come forth as the fruit of the Spirit, or did you respond out of the soul of who you are? These are really important things because it shows the growth and the journey of our life. So he's saying, look, God willed this, God willed this for us. Jeff, God willed you to know this mystery. I think it's just amazing. God, to them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ. So all the men in the church turn around and say, Amen. Presents every man perfect. Now let me ask the wives of those perfect husbands, those perfect men in the church. Do you, does that really mean they're perfect? <laughs> let me ask Harmon that question. <laughs> it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because it says it presents every man perfect. Well, we know every man is not perfect. You know, if I asked Maureen, she would say, Charles is almost, but not quite there. He's journeying. I'm sure Pat would say the same about Jeff journeying. Because none of us are perfect. Thank you, Jeff. (laughs) As long as we live according to Christ Jesus, which most of us struggle to do 100% of the time. This is why it's so important that we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. We are constantly putting the word of God in our heart so that the word comes out rather than the world or worldly ways coming out of our heart. But the word perfect, the word perfect in this verse is the Greek word, is Penny here? Well, teleos. Perfect, teleos. Yes, I've been waiting for years to have Penny in the room when I do a Greek word and get it right. Telios, perfect. I, I want to I stop the meeting there now and just celebrate. <laughs> yes. Uh, anyway, the, Greek, the word perfect, to get back to the message, the word perfect in this verse is the word telios, and Paul uses it in the New Testament five times, just five times. And it describes the development, hopefully I'll get this right, the development of youthfulness and immaturity 
to an individual who is full-grown and mature. I'll check that later, make sure I'm right. But Paul uses this word on two other occasions to speak about a spiritual growth and maturity. So it does mean from, from lots of the little children in this room growing, 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 they become a, a, a young teenager, they become an older teenager, they become an adult. It's that natural growth, this word perfect. But Paul then uses it in, in Romans 12 verse 2 and in Colossians 4.12 to, to speak about the spiritual maturity of our life. You know that when you get born again, that moment you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Bible doesn't really say we're babies in Christ or we're, we're toddlers in Christ, and we're, but actually we are born again. We become brand new. It's, it's a brand new experience. And we grow in the knowledge of God. We grow in our understanding of God. And therefore we move, teleos, we move from this immaturity to a maturity in God. But the problem with many Christians is we begin to grow and we become like teenagers and think we know it all. It's true, you know. We begin to think we know it all. And therefore, we don't necessarily read the word so much. We don't attend church so often. We don't do those things. And our growth in God becomes like a teenager. Well, I know it all. But let's humble ourselves before God and say, actually, I don't. Because this is like a mystery that is being unveiled over and over again. How many times... Do we read a passage in Scripture? One day it means this to us, and then we read it again maybe five years later, and we think, that, that Scripture means this to me now. You know, at the, at the, we had an elders um, gathered, a day, day gathering, two days gathering actually, uh, back in February. Back in February. And, and, and Pastor Andy said to us, I want us to go away into a corner, into, a, into our own individual space, And I want us to read Psalm 23. What did Psalm 23 always mean to you? And what does Psalm 23 mean to you now? And we all did that. And and to me, a portion of Psalm 23 always meant something specific. There was one verse I'd always put out as my verse in Psalm 23. As I was pondering the season that we were in at that time, it was another part of that passage of Scripture that God had taken hold of and was really using to speak into my life. I believe that's how the Holy Spirit works in all our lives. We can read a story uh, or an event in the Bible, and it can mean something to you one day. But the seasons, because the seasons of our life constantly change, you know, you may be going through a wonderful, easygoing moment in your life, and, and reading David and Goliath, you take out about this wonderful young shepherd boy who suddenly becomes the king. You don't even think about the giant. You don't think about the the challenge that was before him. But the moment that you start going through a challenge and you go through giants that are coming towards you, suddenly David and Goliath takes on a whole new meaning. How dare this uncircumcised Philistine come against the armies of the living God? And all of a sudden, there's this righteousness on the inside that says, how dare the enemy come against my life? How dare the enemy come against my family? And something rises up. The shepherd boy becomes this, um, this warrior on the inside. That's what the word of God can do with the power of the Holy Spirit moving on it. And, and as we allow this word teleos, the, the perfecting, the growing, the maturing of our life to take place, that's exactly what happens. The word perfect in these two scriptures 
is referring here to a person who is spiritually maturing and desiring to live out their life in accordance to God's perfect will. So are you teleos? Are you being perfected? Are you maturing in your life? Or are you on a plateau? Is it time again to step up to the next run in our spiritual journey? Or are we just plateaued out? I'm just enjoying the journey. I'm just enjoying where I am. I'm just taking it easy. Or should we step up? I believe every one of us, there is a stepping up in the journey of our life that we need to take. Because because we're meant to be maturing, going from faith to faith, from, from one degree of glory to another, we need to continually be stepping up. So are we seeing spiritual growth in our lives? Are we seeing spiritual maturity in our faith? And are we spiritually maturing with relationships around us? See, I believe all those things are really important. That we are, that we are growing together. If we are going to be a force, a church, a gathering of God's people to be reckoned with, in our last days, we've got to be a growing together, knitted together congregation of the body of Christ. And as, as we knit together, we can then knit together with other congregations and other churches. There's no, no point joining other churches and having great fellowship times with other churches if we don't know how to fellowship with each other. And that's one reason why we're doing Global Sunday. We did the, the International Meal Sunday because it's just keeping us, growing us, and uniting us together. I want us to read another passage of Scripture where Paul is speaking about these mysteries, these, these areas of understanding who we are, our identity in Christ. In Ephesians 3, verse 8, he says this, To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. So if you think you're perfect and fully matured and you understand it all, Paul is here saying these riches are unsearchable. In other words, when you think you understand it, you really begin to understand you know nothing. And then when you understand what you thought you didn't understand, and now you understand it, there is another level in which you can understand because you just keep going through these mysteries of who we are in Christ. I think it's just amazing because if something is unsearchable, you can look and look and look and find, but then you realize what you found is only a part of the puzzle. And then you search and search and search, and then you find the next, and it just keeps on growing. I remember the moment in my Christian life where I guess my Christian life turned. And I I was was in church, I was a part of the church. And and a guy came into church and he got saved. And he made me envious. Because this guy was so excited about his Christian faith. And I'd got to that point where I thought, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, I'll go to church, but... That's about as much as I care. And this guy got saved. What's his name? Was it Ian? Big. Was it Ian? Who? 
Colin, big chubby guy back in Gospel Christian Fellowship days, big chubby guy. And he got saved and his life absolutely got on fire for God. And I looked at him and I thought, you've got something that I'm missing in my life. And he, 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 he began to share around the congregation a, a, a tape. And this tape was of a particular ministry. And that tape that he shared changed my life. And as I listened to the words of the preacher, I realized how compromised my life was. How, how I guess in many senses... There was not that zeal for God. There was not a zeal for God's house. There was not a zeal to serve. There was not a hunger in my life for anything, really. And I listened to that tape. And the boy, the, one, of the, one of the lines in that tape was, whatever you compromise to get, you will ultimately lose. And do you know what? That, that, that sentence has stuck with me for the rest of my life. Whatever you compromise to get in life, you will ultimately lose. And I tell you, that's caused such a hunger, such a desire for the things of God. Such a, you know, better is a day in the house than 10,000 in the court somewhere else. Oh, to be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. That's why I don't mind doing hosting or car park duty, because I think it's better to be a day in God's house serving him than anywhere else doing anything else because I've, I've in part caught a hold of who it is I serve and doing car parking doesn't serve me it helps me but it's serving him doing kids church doesn't help you don't do it for me it does help me it does, you don't do it for me you do it for him you, me preaching I don't do it for you I do it because he's called me to do it. Whoever's in the room is the one who gets hopefully blessed by what's being spoken. But here he says that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Don't give up on the search. Don't give up when you think you know what you think you know. Because when you dig deeper, the gold gets better. The deeper the vein of the gold, the better the gold will become. So keep on digging for the unsearchable riches of Christ. The Greek word translated unsearchable describes something that cannot be fully comprehended or explored. And it is past finding out. And as I, as I was preparing these thoughts, I, I was thinking, what are some of the unsearchable riches? What are some of the things of our spiritual journey, the, the maturing of our life. What are some of these things? And I, I just started to pen some things down. Our redemption through his blood. Do we really understand? We know that we are bought with a price, that Jesus on the cross, he died for us. and all, we, we know that. But do we really get it? Do we really understand our redemption through his blood, what it cost him, what he went through, what we now have because he did. 
How about the total forgiveness of sin through the grace of God? How many people understand fully the grace of God in the room? Anybody? Anyone want to? I think the grace of God, we understand in part, but do we know the extent of that grace? Do we know what it feels? We know in part what it feels like. But all of these things, I believe, are part of the unsearchable riches. We know in part, we see in part, but when we see him, the veil will be lifted and we will know in full measure. How about the unsearchable knowledge of the mystery of his will? Oh, I know my will is to serve the Lord. I know my will, his will for me is to be a pastor and shepherd the flock. I get that. But do we... How much of the unsearchable knowledge of the mystery of his will do we understand? His sovereign will. I, I, I don't claim to understand it all. I don't claim to have all the answers. I know in part, like most of you know in part, the timeless message of truth. How many of us understand the timeless message of truth? Do you know what? There are many denominations who are trying to change the timeless message of truth to adapt to a society that is all inclusive of our today's society we will not do that at family church his truth heaven and earth will pass away but my word will stand forever and it's an unchangeable message of truth how about the sealing of the Holy Spirit. That moment you got saved, according to Ephesians, I think it's Ephesians 1, 13, or around that area, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. That, that, that seal is like the, the king sealing his envelope, folding up his, his letter, putting it in the envelope, and then getting his seal and going... You are sealed with the Holy Spirit. If you've ever thought, am I saved today and lost again tomorrow? Am I saved today and am I lost again tomorrow? He sealed you by his Holy Spirit. Who's going to undo, undo that seal? I'll tell you what, there's no, nothing in life or in death, nor principality or power or thing present or things to come that can take you from the seal of his Holy Spirit in your life. I tell you what, there are, there are those who preach another gospel. But Galatians says, how dare we preach another gospel? How dare we preach what isn't in the word? You are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. That is a place of security. That is a place where we can know that we are his and he is ours. How about the guarantee of our inheritance? You know, many of us don't even think about our inheritance to come. You know, when we get to heaven, there is an inheritance. There are crowns that are going to be given to us. I don't care about, in many senses, I don't care about those things. I just want to serve him on earth. But have you ever wondered what the inheritance is going to be when we get to heaven? Have we ever considered and thought? I, I, in all honesty, I haven't even thought about eternity yet. I'm just thankful I'm going to get there one day because of what he's done for me and my belief in him. That's all that matters to me. I'm going to get there. 
but there is an inheritance. He says, don't worry about the things on this earth. I go to prepare a place for you. I go and prepare a mansion. Do I want a mansion? When I, I wanted a mansion when my kids were young. I don't really care about a mansion now. The bigger the house, the more cleaning there is. But when our kids were young, we wanted a mansion. But do you know what? There's, he says, I've gone to prepare a place for you. There is, Jesus is saying, I've got an inheritance. I've got a future for you. I wonder how many of us have ever considered the guarantee of our inheritance. I believe each of these truths are spiritual riches that if we took from now to when Jesus comes, we would never plumb the depths of any of them. Because we know in part, we see in part, and we understand in part. But if we're diligent, we're no more than what we do now. That's the key. There are some who are always learning and never coming to the knowledge of the truth. But I believe that we've got the spirit of truth in us. Therefore, as we plumb the depths of these things, the revelation and the maturity, the teleos of who we are, becoming more perfect in him, the greater our understanding and the more mature we become. Do you know what? There are many churches today here in our nation. There is such a small amount of people of spiritual maturity because they stuck at being teenagers and said, I know it all. We need to be continually growing in the spiritual revelation of truth. The unsearchable riches of Christ also include these things. The glory of God. Have you ever done a study on the glory of God? Ever just contemplated and looked through scripture? The unsearchable riches of who we are now in Christ. Because the glory of God has now been deposited in us. And when we understand that, wow, you read John chapter 17. The truth of God. We've got it before us. His word is truth. The wisdom of God. If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God and he will give liberally to those who ask. But we ask now and again, rather than asking on a daily basis. One of their prayers when we were, as our children were growing and, and, and still is today, is Lord, give us wisdom. Lord, give us wisdom. Our, one of our prayers in leading the church, Lord, give us wisdom. When we meet with individuals and, and support them in their journey, our prayer is we're driving and as we're praying and spending time, Lord, give us wisdom. I don't want to share wisdom of my own to you. My wisdom is not going to help you go anywhere, but the wisdom of God that he gives to us will help every one of us. The life, the life of God. Do you know what? The life of God now lives in you. It even began with Adam that God breathed the breath of life into Adam and he became a living being. We have the life of God in us because we're now born again. And also the love of God. The love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts. The love of God, that love that sent Jesus to the cross is in your heart. You say, oh, I can't love that person. No, you can. You can. Why? Because you love them with the love of God. And God so loved the world that he gave his life. This is what it is to mature in our knowledge 
of the things of God. See, the heart of Paul, I'm going to be as quick as I can now. The heart of Paul was to share these spiritual revelations. The heart of Paul, God had given him a mandate. He had given him a calling to go to the Gentiles, to speak to the Gentile nation, and to reveal that Christ in them, the hope of glory. But there were churches that were hearing things that were beginning to deceive them, and there was another form of truth that was being shared. And it was dismantling the church. And it was so wrong. There were false teachers sharing false doctrines that were leading them away from the faith that they held to in their heart. And Paul, in his, in, in, when he was writing his letter to the Colossian church, he, Paul was wanting to show them the preeminence of Christ. Preeminence means he is foremost and first in everything. And I guess we've got to ask ourselves that same question. Is he preeminent? Is he first in everything? Does he have the first day of the week? Does he have the first part of my tithe, of my income? Does he have the first of my heart to serve? Does he have the f- is he preeminent in our life? Is he number one? That's a great question to ask ourselves this morning. If he's not, then perhaps you've taken on a a mistruth along the way. And Paul in this letter is saying, I want you to know Christ is preeminent. He is first and foremost in every area and our lives should reflect it. And this is what he says in Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2 verse 1 through seven, it says, For I want you to know what great conflict I have for you and for those in Laodicea. For as many and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, and attaining to the riches of the full assurance of understanding. This is what he wants us to get. And attaining all to all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the Spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. As you have received him, now walk in him. Rooted. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord, those who are rooted in God's house, Those who are rooted in the gathering of God's people will flourish in the courts of our God. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus, walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding with it with thanksgiving. There are so many truths that I could pull out there. And I'm going to have to just pull one, all right, just for time. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus, walk in him. 
It doesn't say stand still. It doesn't say plateau out. It doesn't say march time. It says walk in him. If you are walking, you are, you are going somewhere. You are moving somewhere. You are moving from one place to another. That is exactly what this is Paul is trying to get across to the church. We shouldn't be stagnant. We shouldn't be marking time. We shouldn't be standing still in our Christian experience. We shouldn't say, I think I am now perfect. But we are being perfected as we walk in him, as we journey with him, as we grow and mature in our walk with him. So how and what should that look like? Our lives should be consumed with Christ-like thinking. If we are in Christ and Christ is in us, then we should have Christ-like thinking. We may think carnally from time to time, but we have the mind of Christ. The word says it. So our lives should be consumed with Christ-like thinking. We should, be, have, we should live with Christ-like serving. We should have Christ-like giving. For God so loved the world, he gave. It's Christ-like giving. Christ-like compassion. He saw the multitudes and he was moved with compassion for them. Are we, are we being moved daily for those who are without God in their life? Are we moved for those who are struggling in life? If we have Christ-like thinking, then our heart will be moved towards those who don't know him. Christ-like faith. Our lives need to reflect these truths. Because they are so powerful. There is so much. I'm not, I'm, I'm, there is so much. There is so much that I've said in these, in these few minutes. There is no way we can process them in just this few moments of a time. But I want to challenge you. On Tuesday, the message goes live online. or, or doesn't like, It goes online on a Tuesday. Can I encourage you? Go back. Look at the scriptures, listen to the message, and dig it out and look for yourself. See, the best preacher you'll ever hear is the preacher inside of your head. You, you believe you more than you believe me. I can, I can tell you the word of God, I can teach you and preach this message to you, but unless you tell you this is what truth is, you'll never believe it like when you believe it when you begin to preach this message to you. When you begin to preach this message to you, that's the moment your life begins to mature. It's like having a bunch of students in the room, a school teacher. I can tell you the lesson, but unless you've got a great memory, you're never going to remember what's been taught in the lesson. It's when you put application to the lesson that you begin to remember it. Are we hearers only or are we doers of the word? To be a doer means to go back, reflect, consider, to put in place and to work out in our life. I think these last few messages should be and can be totally life-changing to every single one of us. You may be here today and you, you've heard this message and you're just like, I, I just want to give my life to Jesus. I want to connect with God today. 
Well, we want to give you an opportunity to do so because at the end of every service, we pray for those that don't know the Lord or haven't received him in their life and, and we give you, give you an opportunity to do so today. So what we're going to do, pray, we're going to pray together. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask you to repeat the prayer that I've prayed. And then at the end of the prayer, I'm going to ask if you've prayed that sincerely in your heart and you want to give your life to Jesus, just to pop up your hand and pop it back down. And one of our team, uh, the disciple making team, will be able to get some information to you. That would be great. So let's pray this together. Jesus, I thank you that you came to this earth so that I could know you. Today, Jesus, the puzzle pieces have come into place. And I know that you died for me. Today, I want to give my life to you. I want you to be my Lord and Savior. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my past. Give me a brand new day. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. While every head is bowed and every eye closed. If you prayed that prayer, maybe for the first time or today, it all made sense and and you've prayed it before, but today it's made sense and you're coming back to God. I'm going to count to three. I'm going to ask you just to pop up your hand and then pop it back down. One, two, three. If you're acknowledging Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, just pop up your hand as you receive him into your life. Is there anybody in this room you say, yes, that's me? I know there are children in the room and they are responding, which is beautiful. Is there anybody in the room and you're saying, yeah, count me in? I want Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. There's actually about five children that have put up their hand in the room, which I think is wonderful. But I don't want to move on from this moment, just in case there is an adult in the room, you say, yeah, count me in. You may not count yourself as an adult, you may be a teenager, but hey, you may be in the room, you say, yes, don't, don't miss me. I'm going to count down from five. Five, four, three, two, one. Thank you, Lord. Father, I pray over your word today. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you bring back to our remembrance the truths that we've heard. Father, I pray, keep reminding us of how you see us and not how we see ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Fantastic.